Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show, and we are about to get into our... Well, question our, our quiz. Um, what do we have for announcements this morning? Let's uh, well, let's talk about the app for those of you who don't have the app yet. Does everybody here in the studio have the app, the Faith FM app? I hope you all do. We've got thumbs up all over the place. That's fantastic. Um, and a special welcome to Kelvin, who's joining us for the Bible study this morning. Uh, okay, but if you don't have the app, then this is one of the best ways to listen to Faith FM. I went to Sydney yesterday, and well, you know what? I didn't use the app, but I should have done because there's a whole bunch of places once you get close to Sydney where you can't pick up Faith FM. So uh, if you want to have Faith FM right across Australia, the solution is grab the app, run it through your uh, Bluetooth, run it through your uh, auxiliary cord, run it through your tape player insert. Kelvin, do you have a tape player in your car? No, we We've whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. There we go. We've got the microphone on. You've upgraded it. Yeah. We, so you have a car that used to have a tape player? We, up until recently, yes. There you go. Yeah. There you, I, I thought you might own one of those kind of cars. <laughs> now, what about the cars that are in your shed? Do they have a tape player in them? Oh, they're... Or do they just have an AM radio and that's it? One has cassette tape. The others were AM, yes. AM. AM radio. Okay, mm-hmm. so these are, this, is, um, this is Kelvin's antique Volkswagen collection. Hey, I you? still listen to tapes. I still have yes, tapes. Not, what? Really? I know. I do. Well, I grew up with Adventures and Odyssey, and we own all the cassettes, and they're awesome. all tapes, so we have to have a tape player. There's lots of things that I actually still want a tape player, and yes, I am technically, you know, a millennial. You are? I am. When I led... And I listen to tapes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> My mind is melting right now. I don't think I've listened to a tape since the early 2000s. Well, when you have like all 40 Adventures in Odyssey, you just can't give that up. And but why don't the you just oldies put them- were the good ones. Sorry, no offense, but I don't like the new ones as much as I like the oldies. So, so why not just digitize them and put them on a stick? I don't even begin to know how to do that. But I literally, when I bought my stereo like four or five years ago, I made sure I had a tape player. It has to have a tape player. You can still buy them? Well, I mean, it was very difficult, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. That's a fair call. I'm sure that there are still people who are making tape players. Maybe, I yeah. Um, there okay, maybe it was still farther some, than four or five years still ago some, when I got Still one. some available for sale. I'm sure if I punched into Amazon or um, or eBay right now, I could pull up a uh, – let's, let's, let's see if our producer can pull up a tape player for sale. I'm find sure. out whether we can find one. But anyway, how did we get sidetracked onto that? Don't know how we got sidetracked onto that. We were talking about old cars that have tape players, and that's actually the most common place to find a tape player these days. I recently okay. had a car that was old enough that it had its original tape player in it because, you know, it was a 1990s car and cars in the 1990s, they had tape players. It's just how it was. Here's the next question, though. You're talking about cassette tape. What about 8-track cartridge? Because I remember growing up. Okay, so I never had that. I never <laughs> okay, had now that. I'm completely out of the conversation. <laughs> Maybe we should do the quiz. <laughs> Kelvin, you are revealing your age. You're revealing the fact that you're even older than me. See, when, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, we had AM and FM radio, which was kind of cool, but not a tape player in our car. Okay, so for this week in our 20 million... Oh, what have we got there? Producer uh, has something for us. Do we have a tape player for sale? 
Uh, yes, we do indeed. I found a tape player, uh, <laughs> a, a Sony Walkman for $99 on, uh, on eBay. I also found an automatic radio 8-track player record, uh, recorder for $182. Okay, so is that a uh, are these new reproductions or are they old originals? No, they're the old originals. These are the old originals. They are indeed. There you go. And oh wow, museum pieces right there. Hundred bucks for a, for a, for a Walkman tape player. I can remember back in the day when you would um, strap you know that Walkman tape player to your side when you when you went to do your exercise and away you would go and it was just like if you had one of those you were you were so cool and. You know, in the, the the end zone. You know, I use one of those too. I used to dust the house and wear one of those. And that was a uniform. That was what you <laughs> rigged yourself out in. But these it's, these days, it's just a couple of AirPods and a watch, right? I, I'm not there, but yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're a poor Bible worker. If you weren't a poor Bible worker, I'm sure you'd be there. No, Angela. I'm a poor teacher. <laughs> a poor teacher, a poor teacher. That's right, a poor teacher. Okay, let's get into our uh, Bible study for today. And a uh, special thank you to the producer for finding us those particular items. I can't believe you buy an 8-track. Wow. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 16. Philippians 2. Verse 12 to 16 is where we're going to start today. And we're going to break this down. Just before we read that, we need to give a bit of an introduction. This week, we're going to study about living by the Word of God. So we've had a whole quarter of the year, I guess you could describe it, looking at the Word of God and how to understand the Bible, how to read the Bible, how to gain a blessing from it. The most important part of the Bible is actually living what it says. It's definitely where the blessings are as well. Yeah, there's kind of no point in knowing your Bible inside out, back to front and upside down and not doing anything about it. Not allowing it to change your life, uh, to provide you with you know, moral direction and ultimately salvation. It, uh, it, it comes with absolutely no use whatsoever at all if you just know it and you don't experience it. Well, this, this was the wisdom of Solomon, was it not? He knew better, but he also acted upon that. Like when the two women came together, he just didn't ask a question. He actually put a situation to them. That's an interesting example you've just raised knowledge. with Solomon. Yeah. So here you've got Solomon who knows the Bible inside out, back to front and upside down. This was like the most intelligent person our world has probably ever seen. And a person of that level of intelligence is going to know the Bible. I mean, he's grown up with it from his father and from his father's litany of mistakes that we talked about last week. So he's able to see it both experientially and from a written perspective he can see all of this. And as a king, it was his duty to write out his own personal copy of Scripture. Indeed, indeed. So, And this was something that was actually unique uh, amongst Jewish kings was their level of literacy, which you often, you know, that was usually assigned to, you know, the scribes and so forth in other kingdoms. The king had bigger things to worry about than being literate back in the day. But they were to be literate and make their own copy of the Word of God. Okay, so... Um, then what we find is that a mere knowledge of the Bible, and there's every indication that Solomon probably knew his off by heart, a mere knowledge of the Bible didn't stop him from turning his life into a train wreck, did it? That's exactly the point I was going to bring out. You have the two things seen in Solomon's life, that when he applied that which he knew, 
and that when he did not apply. And you can see in both times where it brings him either great trial or great triumph. Yeah, there's a, there's a major contrast right there and a lesson for us. So you need to do more than just know the Bible for a large portion of Solomon's reign. He knew the Bible and did not follow it. And what a disaster it created for the nation at that particular time. Well, all you have to do is read the, the book of Ecclesiastes and you see how he really feels about his life at that time. Yeah, absolutely. He, was, he looks back at his life and is like, he just wasted the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, well, not the whole thing, but he had incredible potential, but he chose so not much. to apply. He just chose to keep it as head knowledge. And I think that is what the point of our lesson is today. And you think about this for a moment. Think about the Israelite empire, because they've got hegemony over land all the way from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates. That's, that's a massive amount of territory. And that's with Solomon. That's because of Solomon's brilliance. It's because of his intelligence. And that's with Solomon not following the Bible. Imagine the empire that could have been formed if Solomon did follow the Bible. Mm. And imagine the stability that could have been created for future generations that simply was not there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And you see coming through, you know, the kings that come after Solomon, of course, the empire splits. The empire falls apart. Everybody is like, no, you know, we're not going to, we're going to serve Israel anymore. So the empire falls apart. The nation splits, and they all sort of just wander away from God all over the place because Solomon hasn't made the knowledge of God the foundation of the nation. Unfortunately, it stems yeah. back definitely to him and his father. Okay, so we have here a great example of exactly what we're going to be talking about, the importance of living the Word of God and not just knowing the Word of God as head knowledge. The Bible is for more than just head knowledge. We were, before the break, going to go to Philippians chapter 2, was it? I think it was? Yep, Philippians 12. Verse 12 to 16, please, Angela. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may run that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Okay, Calvin, I'm seeing you uh, counting things off on your fingers there. Verbs. Okay, okay, so here we go. There's, it's all talking about doing. How many verbs have you... So there's five obvious ones that I picked up on that. Let's see um, if Angela can find more. She's a, she's a school teacher. Yeah, I always put the pressure on. <laughs> put on the spot. While Angela's seeing if you have missed any, highlight the ones that jumped out to you. Okay, so work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, do all things without complaining. Um, hold fast to the word of God and... Right at the very end there, run in vain or run so you have not have laboured in vain. So it's all, it's all works. It's all action oriented. 
It is. Okay, so that means that uh, salvation is all action oriented. Then it's all works, right? Let, 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 let me let me let me let me let me let me defend my position here for a moment. Play the devil's advocate and give you guys a hard time. Okay, where are we? Uh, two verse twelve. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always done, what obeyed, obeyed. Yep. So, not as not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so here he's talking to people who are obedient to God, and he tells them to work out their own salvation. Uh, do all things without murmuring and disputing, so that you can be blameless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of God, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, but I've not put on... Inv- so everything we find as we go down through here, he's telling them, do this, mm-hmm. do this, do this. It's all about do, 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 do. So, for instance, verse 15, what are we to do in verse 15? We are to be blameless. We are to be without rebuke. Uh, what are we to do in verse 16? We're to hold forth the word of God. That means to share it. Um, you know... Verse, well, we could continue on. Help us, the um, word of life, yep. Right down through this particular passage. And so, there you go. The well, Bible says. We talked about this last week, we remember? Did. We did talk about this last week. And you're kind of skipping verse 13. Huh? What? No? <laughs> no, did I, did I you're skip just a verse? kind of pointing out did, did everything I skip a verse? No, before I didn't skip a verse. and after it. <laughs> kind of skipping. I don't know. Maybe part of a sentence. <laughs> Could not possibly be the case. Could anybody who's ever reading the Bible just sort of skip a verse? Well, if we don't like what it says, but in this case, we very much like what it says. Okay, so Angela really, really likes verse verse uh, 13, and she is absolutely correct. I did skip verse 13. And the reason I skipped that, because you're listening on the radio, and you probably don't have a Bible in front of you, and so that you can't tell that I'm skipping a verse, and you're probably not going to check me out, and so I need to catch you out sometimes just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> and, of course, Angela's got a Bible right here in front of her, and she's like, oh, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Okay, let's talk about verse 13, Angela. For it is God... Who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So it is God who not only creates the desire in you to even want him, it is also him that helps make it possible that you're even able to do any of the commands that he is asking both in verse 12 or in 14 through 16. Okay. And I think that's a, well, it it does provide the balance we need, doesn't it? Definitely. Because all of those works then that we just spoke about, our salvation, our blamelessness, the sharing of the Word of God, all of those verbs there that Kelvin was highlighting are all based on what God is doing within us. But God does not make us into robots. All of a sudden, because I say, all right, Jesus, I choose you, come into my heart, I'm not all of a sudden now a robot who only is capable of doing wonderful good things. I still get to make choices constantly and that is where is my choice do i choose to see the positive in life or do i choose to see the negative that's completely up to me but i can constantly ask god and praise god we can say lord 
I like to complain. Help me to want to want to stop complaining. No, I love it. I love what you just said right there. That that really summarises it so well. Because I was going to go on and talk about the part about being blameless, mm. and, and I was going to say, is it easy to overcome sin? Definitely not. But I'm going to say that it is. And the reason I'm going to say that, it, okay, all right, here you go. <laughs> Calvin's Calvin's not saying anything right now. Oh, I'm perplexed. <laughs> I'm going to argue that overcoming sin is easy. Here's, the, here's my argument. You can't overcome sin. It's Jesus who does it within you. Yes. Is it easy for Jesus to overcome sin? Yeah. Easy peasy. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So therefore, overcoming sin is easy because I don't even have to do it. But I have to surrender self. Hardest thing on the planet. So right in there. any sin, whether it's complaining or frustration or holding fast or choosing spiritual things, that can be extremely difficult because I have to surrender self and I have to say, God, you know what's better for me than I know. I have these desires, I have these frustrations, but you can take my frustrations and you can take my desires and tune them into yours because that is where I find true joy. Okay, so overcoming sin then is easy. Allowing God to over, allowing God to do it is hard. Very hard. Very hard. Cha- very challenging. It's the battle self. So why, whole- if Jesus can give us the victory over sin and He can give it to us so easily, then uh, yeah, why is it so hard to? What, okay, so why can't He also? Um, why can't He also? Just do it on our behalf. Well, then we'd be a robot now, wouldn't we? That's right. And if we were a robot, what would that do to our relationship? Can you have what, what kind of a relationship? Do, do either it you guys be have loving? Do you have a robot, Kelvin? <laughs> do I have one a that does everything I tell it to do? <laughs> and, Is that your uh, vacuum? <laughs> 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 okay, but if you have a robot that does everything you tell it to do, what kind of a relationship do you have? Nothing. Unrequainted. It's one way. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's, and it's not a relationship at no. all, really. Absolutely. So this ties in with one of my favorite verses of Psalms 37, verse 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Like he's putting desire inside your heart, which is what you're saying. We think it's, it's our desire to do good, but it's not. God puts that desire in us. But the trick there is to put God first. And what does the Ten Commandments say? I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Have no other gods before me. So that's, yeah, backs up what you're saying. Yep. Definitely. Yep, absolutely. And, and it's one of those promises that I think is sometimes quoted out of context because people say, well, you know, if you love God, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And right now I desire a brand new Ferrari. <laughs> Which, by the way, I do. <laughs> if you want to call in. I don't think I've ever not desired one of those. Is God not a God of prosperity? Because you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. All of them were extremely oh, wealthy. Oh, oh, and Job. Job also. Let's throw yeah. Job into the mix. Yep. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so what we're going to do is, is uh, we've opened a bit of a can of worms here. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we started to go down a little bit of a path here um, just before the break where we were talking about God giving us the desires of our heart and the fact that I don't think I've ever had a valid reason not to desire a new Ferrari. 
So Imagine why shouldn't how God quickly just... you could deliver the word of God. Well, this is very true. This is very true. You know? Imagine how many tickets you would get along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and how many other road users I would endanger if mm. I owned such a, uh, such a vehicle. Okay, so there's a lot of things, but, but, but is this what the Bible is... What, what's the Bible talking about when it says, you know, that God will give us the desires of our heart? I think he understands us at a more, much more deeper level than we understand ourselves. We live in a world now that's very aware of discovering self, right? That's much talked about. If you had asked my father, you know, to think about discovering self, you know, 40 years ago, it never would have been a topic of conversation. And now it's something very much um, like, oh, we don't understand who we are. And I think there's a recognize in the secular world. And so I think we need to understand that in the spiritual realm as well. And the fact that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows what will make us happier much more than we ever could dream of what would make us happy, such as a Ferrari. And this is the, th- this is, this is the very important point that comes out in this psalm where the line before it says where God will give you the desires of your heart mm. is about surrendering to God. And when you surrender to God, the desires of your heart change. And yeah, hey, I'm never going to, uh, I'm never going to, you know, not desire a Ferrari, but it's not the kind of thing that I'm, you know, lusting after, coveting, etc. Uh, it's not something that I can't live without. But I know that I can't live without the righteousness of Christ. So you're saying that you become in tune or in harmony with God's will. Yes, with His desires. His desires become my desires, and therefore I get the desires that I want. And the greatest desire that I want is to be able to live a life like Jesus lived his life, live a righteous life, um, and be able to form, you know, to, to be able to be an example to others of, of how Jesus lived his life. And that's the joy of following his word, which is what we're talking about. If you just make it a head knowledge and not a thing that you apply to your life, you're missing out on so many things. Think about like so many biblical principles that we just say it is more blessed to give than to receive, you know, or the golden rule. These are things that are just said in society that people just take for granted. Like, oh, yeah, it is much better to give than to receive. And God's like, yes, I know. I know your heart. (laughs) (laughs) And this is and this is an interesting fact. No matter how much atheists want to deny it, our world today has been formed and is informed by Christianity. The principles, the major principles of morality that we have in our world today are entirely Christian. That's it. Anyway, uh, we need to look at some other things here. What happens if as uh, if as human beings we are left to our own devices Romans chapter 1 verse 25 let's head over there Romans 1 verse 25 what is the result Kelvin I might get you to read oh you've, no I haven't got that haven't yet. Got there yet okay go for it Angela who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen okay so if we take human beings and we take God out of the picture, and we just, you know, toss human beings out there to, uh, you know, to their own devices. Where do human beings end up, and what do they end up doing? Um, they end up serving the creature rather than the creator. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's just you. You look at all societies where they've got so far away from God that they have lost all knowledge of God. This is where they end up. In a secular society, atheism that denies the existence of God worships the creature, not the creator. 
you know, the, the theory of evolution is the worship of the power of nature to create things. The theory of evolution says that nature itself created us. And they ascribe the power of God to nature. So they're robbing God of what is due to him. Take a, you know, a pagan tribe somewhere in the world. They've lost their, their, their contact, their connection with God over the years. And what is it that they're worshipping? Trees, mountains, things that inspire them with awe or beauty. Human beings, things that they have made, statues and carvings and so forth. The sun, the forces of nature. These are the things that they are worshipping when they get disconnected from God. And if you look at the quality of life in these kind of situations, it's not usually high or the respect that they treat each other is not usually high either. No, that's right. And if you go back in the history of our world um, to pre-Christian times when the knowledge of God was pretty much uh, existed you know, only in the nation of Israel, which was a very, very small nation, human beings were incredibly cruel across the board. They were incredibly cruel. They were just not nice creatures to be around. You look at you know, the social norms that existed outside of those countries that worshipped God, and no one today would want to live in one of those countries. Certainly yeah. not. <laughs> there was oppression of children. There was oppression of slaves. There was oppression of women. There was an oppression of anybody who was less powerful than you were. Um, there was systemic abuse. There was abuse. Abuse that was required by religion. It just, it just, you, 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 it was just a very, very horrible place, and life was incredibly cheap. So, why is life today so valuable? The answer is, it is the influence of Christianity on our world that has shown the value of life. So, I think I can connect that to First Corinthians two thirteen and fourteen. Yes, please do. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Okay. Really important verse. Take us through it. Oh, I just think like we're talking about the Word of God and how that needs to be applied to our lives. And if you choose to not apply it, then you're going to struggle, correct? But the same thing with the thought that if you just come to the Word of God without asking for God's help to help discern the Scriptures, then you're still going to be lost. And this is something that you will see. When somebody comes to the Word of God with prayer and seeking guidance from God, they're going to be blessed, and what you'll see is their life transformed. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of so many other people people their life just completely transformed they become a new person well and it takes away from like the the low level of the prosperity gospel like oh he's going to give the desires of my heart ferrari to no i'm going to change people's lives and he's going to use me to change people's lives something so much at a deeper level and so much more meaningful and that is where spiritually things are only spiritually discerned because we settle for this right here when god's like but i have so much more for you and so the question is, how do you see some people who they read the Bible, it transforms their life, and others who read the Bible as an intellectual exercise, and nothing happens. The difference is that one is surrendered to God.